0: Hey, welcome to the Northside Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this message today. Our prayer is that this message inspires you, encourages you, uplifts you, maybe even convicts you a little bit with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful that you're joining us here on our podcast. We want to ask that you would real quickly just subscribe to this channel so that you could be notified when new messages go up every week and be looking out for new content in the new coming year, of 2023, here on our Northside Church Podcast enjoy the message. Psalm 6 this morning. Psalms 6. We're going through the Psalms of David throughout the whole year. There's 73 Psalms in which David has written. We are 6 in to 73. We have a long way to go, and, uh, but I'm enjoying every step of the way, and I hope you are as well. I hope Uh, You are looking at the book of Psalms totally different than you've ever seen it before. Uh, It's slowly becoming one of my favorite books of all time. It's helped me so much. And I pray today will help you. And I covet your prayers because this psalm is dark. I mean dark. Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord... How long? Turn, O Lord. Deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. And every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch With my weeping, my eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. And all my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back. And be put to shame in a moment. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning and we thank you for this psalm. And we thank you that in the Word of God we can find help. We need help today. That's all we're asking is for help. You know every heart that sits in this church. You know every life that sits in this church. And what each life and each person is going through God. And I pray for them on their behalf. Help, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. The dark truth of depression. Our aim this morning is not to elicit an emotional response through manipulative measures by way of kind of musing over your personal struggles that we all are apparent of in this church within our family that people are going through. That's not our aim, but rather to render aid in the fight with depression sure. and to find escape, to find escape from the darkness of emotional anguish. It's been all night like this in the king's chamber, wailing, moaning. High-pitched screams, yelling, convulsive crying. It's all my fault. I should have never looked her way. I should have tried never to hide it. I killed him. God's finger pointed out to me that it's my fault. Oh, my son Absalom. My son, my son Absalom. I wish I were dead and with a covered face, weakened by a night of wrestling with God. David is sick. David is in spiritual anguish. He is lamenting, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. He knows that the the problem stems from his own selfish choice. God is turned against David. God is not happy with him at all. David is feeling this pressure of being out of touch with God, but still clings to a thread of hope. David complains to God. David complains about what stands in opposition to his life. I want to give a side note this morning that sin and personal failures are not always the root causes of depression. Everyone's situation is different. But they can be a contributing factor. We never downplay or minimize the causes of depression, however you define them. I want to be very vulnerable this morning and talk about my struggle real briefly. I have a history with depression. My world collapsing all around me. The darkness is my safe place. I know the feeling of being stuck and life going nowhere, having no joy, never smiling, these uncontrollable screams, crying for no reason. Angry, but yet feeling extremely lonely. Screaming at my own daughter for just eating breakfast on the way to school. And watching my wife shoulder the burden. And having to self-diagnose me because I just won't talk. I feel sad. I find no enjoyment in life. Eat to survive. I cannot sleep. I'm feeling tired all the time. No real purpose in life. I can't sit still. I wring my hands. I'm pacing thoughtless stairs into nowhere. Feeling worthless yet guilty. Lonely. Isolated, withdrawn darkness. I can hide. Cannot gather my, gather my thoughts. What was I saying? I feel like I'm dying. I'm depressed. There's four groups of people here this morning that have a different approach to depression. The first group are those that view depression as sin. Lack of faith, lazy, God's judgment for sin committed. Then there's the second group, those who view depression as a medical issue caused by a chemical imbalance. But then there are those that are kind of middle of the road group that they don't know much about depression at all. But then there are the depressed who are kind of sitting here this morning feeling guilty, defenseless, and confused. I want you to note in Psalm 6 the subscription. You see it there? To the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the shimonith or the eighth octave. It's very interesting because this psalm was meant to be played on an eight-stringed instrument. This is what's interesting about this psalm. This is a low bass key. It's a mourning tune. M-O-U-R-N. Not mourning, but mourn. But what's interesting is that it also can be played on a high-pitched tenor. and this is exactly the way the psalm is divided verses 1 through 7 low bass but you get to verse 8 and the pitch changes an abrupt change verse 8 brings a higher tone the psalmist rising from the ashes of depression with a fresh perspective on God. I want to give you our objectives this morning. Number one, to understand that life can shift without notice and become very dark and filled with clouds. Depleting hope, destroying your happiness. Number two, we Christians have what we need to permit our hearts to catch up with our faith. We have God to turn to, and we have promises that we can rehearse over and over and over again in our life. Our third objective is this that we're not going to be clinical this morning, but we're going to be practical and spiritual. The fourth objective is not to talk too much about depression, because I don't want to come across as therapeutic trying to diagnose you, not some emotional stimulus to turn your attention from inward to upward to a God who can dispense the darkness. And our fifth objective, and this is the main one, is to recognize that Jesus dealt with emotional anguish. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, Then He said to them, My soul is deeply grieved, Christ said, to the point of death. Now I'm going to give you the takeaway before we get to the end. Is that okay? Because this is such a dark psalm, we've got to get the hope in here. We're going to get—if we don't—we'll get bogged down. Once again, real quick, this is a Hebrew chiastic parallel. So it, we got two verses that kind of give us the whole meaning of this psalm, the way it was written in the Hebrew. If you're taking notes, that will be. Verse 6 and 7. That's where the chiism ends, right there. Boom. That's what the main point is of the whole psalm. But here's our takeaway. And this is what we want to learn by the end of the lesson. This is what we want to leave with by the end of the lesson. It's this God is there with you in your depression. I I I couldn't say it more simple. Can I tell you something? This is where I came to in my struggle, right here in this altar. I knew God was with me in my darkness. And it turned my life around. Off the medication, out of the dark, living life again, smiling again, when I realized God was with me in my depression. I want you to note Psalms 37 verse 5, and I just read this this morning because it was my morning devotion. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He'll do it. An abrupt, easy to understand. Give it to God, He's going to do it. It don't get any more simpler than that, does it? So here is a psalm divided into two unequal parts. Verses 1 through 7, the dark, the depressed mindset, that low bass octave being played. If we could do it and get away with it, we'd play some melancholy music right here. That's what this low, dark sound coming out of David in verses 1 through 7. But in verse number 8 and 9 and 10, we no longer have a depressed man, but we have a defiant man. Defiant against his situation. See, when he got tired of being Where he was, he understood there was an alternative escape route God gave. And he took it. First of all, the depressed. The depressed. David's soul is on fire in verses 1 through 7. His heart is burning. He is tormented with thoughts. If you want a quick reference, and forgive me for not giving this to you, this psalm here is kind of just like in the, there's a blank when it comes to the history of this psalm. But if you kind of read 2 Samuel chapter 18 and 19, it kind of makes sense where this psalm's kind of coming from. David has been running from his son Absalom and then all of a sudden Absalom dies by some freak act. and And all of David's men are like, man, you should be like really rejoicing now the enemy's gone and you don't have to fool with running anymore we're going to give you the kingdom back and David's like are you kidding me that's my son it's not my enemy that's my son and and one of his men gets so frustrated with him in chapter 19 of second Samuel. why aren't you rejoicing and he's like that's my son I wish I was dead not him So David here, his heart is on fire. His thoughts are tormenting him. He's suffering from this pain of relentless regrets. He's crying for relief. He is distressed. He's in a dark place. He's despondent. He's drenched with sweat. He's drenched with tears. David is desperate. David is depressed. I want to give you four depressive Sentiments that David gives us. The first one is in verse 1. This is all my fault. He says. Look what he said in verse 1. Oh Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Nor discipline me in your wrath. David knows that God is not happy with him. And he knows that he has brought this on himself. David understands there's consequences To choices. And he's praying that God will be merciful. Do you realize in verse number one that David is not denying the fact that it is his fault? He's just asking God, Lord, this is more than I can handle. Would you be merciful? He's hoping it will not be as bad as he supposes it can be. I want to say this. Not every season of depression and emotional anguish stems from personal failures. God can use our sufferings for character development. This is what He said in Romans chapter 5 verses 3 and 4. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation... Brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character. Sometimes you have to go through the fire to become the person God wants you to be. But in David's case, he said, this is my fault. The second sentiment that David says is this, I can't take much more of this. I want you to look in verses 2 through 5, if you would. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? That's a very interesting verse there in the Hebrew. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And Sheol, who will give you praise? David's at the end of his rope here. David is at the point of breaking, giving up under pressure. Some of you sitting here this morning, you're just about to throw in the towel. You're about to give up. You're at the point of breaking. I want you to note in verse number 2, David feels sapped. Look what he said in verse number 2. Be gracious to me. I am languishing. The New American Standard said, I'm pining away, Lord. The King James said, I'm weak. It gives the sense here that David is looking up at God saying, Lord, I'm fading fast in this. That word for pining gives a sense is that David is saying, Lord, I'm drained. I have nothing else in me. You have wrung me out of everything. Then that word languishing gives the, it's an adjective, spiritless. I'm limp, Lord. Lord. I'm listless. I'm nothing but just a shell of a man left. I'm sapped. But then he said in verse number 3, look in your Bibles. God, I feel stuck. Will it ever end? Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Look what he said in verse number 3. How long? I would underline that in your Bibles. In the Hebrew, it's a figure of speech that denotes that David has been saying this from verse 1, verse 2. We come down to verse 3 and all of a sudden he says how long and he's got more to say, but he can't. And there's this sudden silence. He is so overtaken with emotion that this little phrase how long denotes a man staring into nothing. Trying to figure out what else he really wants to say. How long? And as if he loses track of thought. Words fail him. He cannot say anything. He's gripped by fear. I want you to note in verse number four. David feels shunned by God. Look at verse number four. Turn, O Lord. Deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Where is God in all this? Let me ask you something this morning. Are you sitting here in our presence with that replaying in your head? Where is God in all of this that I'm dealing with? I don't know how much more I can take. God has turned His back on David. He said, return. Wherever God is, David said in verse 2, I don't even have the strength to go finding God. God, could you at least be merciful and come find me? He don't have the strength to pray. He don't have the strength to, to do anything. Please, Lord, return. Wherever you're at, where are you in this, Lord? Anybody sitting here this morning asked that question in the past month, where is God in this? You're too too weak, listless, pining away to even make your way. It was all you could do to even come to church, hoping you'll find him there. God, please come to me is what he's saying. Please, Lord, find me. I feel so shunned. I feel stuck. Some of us sitting here this morning feel stuck. Feel stuck. You don't see a way out. You feel kind of sapped. Everything that's in you is gone. You have nothing to give to your family. You have nothing to give to your husband. You have nothing to give to your wife. You have nothing more to give to your children. You go through the motions. You're just a shell of an individual filling up space in God's creation. That's all you are existing. Sapped, stuck, shunned. Where is God? You ever feel like everybody else is going on with life and enjoying life and God's blessing them? And there you sit in a blank stare trying to figure out what is God doing in my life? Maybe you're eat up with guilt. It's my fault. I did something to deserve this. I'm under God's punishment. God's against me. God is not happy with me. God is mad at me. If you're sitting here this morning like that, you know what David feels like. But I want you to get this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. God is with us in our depression. Can I give you several guarantees? And I wish you would write these down. When you're feeling like you can't take anymore, these are some five guarantees that you need to take with you. The first one is this. When I'm feeling helpless and I'm feeling hopeless, I need to return to the promises of God that will revive my hope and reawaken my faith. You need to return to the promises of God that will revive your hope and reawaken your faith and know that God does not lie. And you can stand on His promises. What did our psalm say? Give it to Him and He'll do it. Here's the second one. Don't be naive to think the Bible will give you immediate relief. Here's what you need to understand. People become frustrated because they say, Well, I went to church and I'm reading my Bible and it's not fixed. I want it fixed right now. Listen, the Bible is not a quick fix. Neither is church. Don't be that naive. Here's a third guarantee. Wait on God to work in His own time. Look at this. Psalms 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. Psalms 37, verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Here's your fourth guarantee. We've all made mistakes, but God will forgive and He will restore. And here's the fifth guarantee. You need to learn to thank and praise God right now. Right now. I tell you one thing you ought to thank Him for. Thank Him for the day when the light breaks through your darkness. Praise Him for that. Because what does it say? Give it to Him and He'll do it. Don't do like a lot of us who have had run-ins with depression. Put them on a leash and carry them around everywhere we go. Here's a third depressive sentiment. I'm not going to make it. Let's look what verse 5 says. Psalm 6, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Any life that's left in David was slowly being depleted. Look at me. David's situation was literally killing him literally killing him David said in 2 Samuel chapter 18 verse 33 would i had died instead of you o Absalom my son any parent would make that statement for their children the situation is killing david David's coming to a place where he won't even have the vitality to even praise God anymore. David is coming to the place where he won't be able to even praise Him anymore, even say anything good about God anymore. He said, God, I'm dying here. I'm dying. And if I die, there'll be no praise left in me. There'll be nothing good left in me to say about you, God, if you let me die in this. But guess what? Here is something that we all do in this church. David began to bargain with God. When, let me tell you something. When you're desperate, you'll grab anything. Amen? Amen? You'll do anything. One of the five stages of grief is bargaining. Don't, listen please don't look at your self-righteous nose up and say, oh, I've never bargained with God. We've all bargained with God in some way or form or fashion. God, if you'll only do this, I promise I'll do this. God, if you'll not let me die in this situation, I'll praise you for the rest of my life, David said. I'll say good things about you the rest of my life if you just don't let me die in this, God, please. Bargaining with God. Spurgeon said, men, haggle with God when they lose hope. They begin, to, they begin to grab for anything. The story goes of Spurgeon. And I want to tell you something. Some of the greatest even deal with depression. Spurgeon was preaching one Sunday on, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he said, at the moment I was preaching that to my brothers who were sitting in the dark, I could hear my own chains clanging In my head from depression. Haggling with God. Oh God please. If you'll just get me out of this. I promise. God if you do blank. I will forever do blank. See David becomes lost in a maze. Of if only's and what if's. Guilt. Spurgeon said. Guilt is often bargaining's companion. Why we bargain is because we're guilty. Spurgeon said, and I quote, If thou lettest me die, thou wilt lose one singer out of all the earthly choir. But if thou wilt let me live, I will remember thee, I will praise thee, I will give thee thanks. That's what David was saying. Please Lord, if you'll just get me out of this. Lord, if you'll give me one more day, if you'll let me say one more thing, Lord, I promise I'll do whatever it takes. I'm dying here, Lord. Here's the fourth sentiment I am tired of dealing with this. Won't you look at verse six? Here is the, listen, here's the middle of the chiism. This is the thrust of this. Are y'all tracking this morning verse 6 I am weary with moaning every night I flood my bed with tears I drench my couch with my weeping my eyes waste away because of grief it grows weak because of all my foes listen if you read Second Samuel chapter 18 they were arguing who would be the one to go tell David his son was dead let me ask something when is that ever a good time Joash said, oh, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. David's sitting on the wall, and he sees a man running, and then he sees another man running, and David knew, this ain't good, this ain't good. And then Joash gets mad, because David's not rejoicing that his enemies are dead. And David said, I'm tired of dealing with this. Tired of dealing with this. Tired tired of dealing with this. Anybody tired of dealing with what you're dealing with? This is what he says in verse 6 and 7. Look with me. This is the central axis. This is where this whole psalm sits here and does this. Right here. It's kind of sitting here. It's kind of unbalanced because, listen, you carry around a lot more negative than you do positive. You notice that. Three verses of positive. What? Four verses of, I mean, seven verses of negatives. That's always the way it is in our life, right? We're always over here on the negative end of it. Good Christians end up on the positive, right? Normal ones, practical ones, we hang out on the other end of this thing, right? Look what he says. This is the climax of David's emotional torment. Look at me. In verse 6 and 7, you need to write this in your notes. David is on the verge of complete breakdown now. What he was about to be in verse number 2, he's there in verse 6 and 7. He's done. He's had it. I want you to note, I am weary. You see that there in verse number 6? I am weary. It is a reluctance to experience any more in the Hebrew. I am tired of dealing with this, David said. I'm tired of it. I am worn out. Get this. In the ancient Hebrew literature, they would write in pictographs. And the picture here is somebody that is overworked and out of breath. It's somebody trying to catch their breath. The only way I can say it in Laban's terms for us to get it is David said, I've took a gut punch and I can't get my breath back. I'm grabbing for whatever I can get and I'm out of breath dealing with it. I'm weary from this, God. But then He says this. Look at this. Look at verse 7. My eyes wastes. You see that there. To no longer function normally. Incapacitated. David said, I don't even know what normal looks like anymore. I cannot function because I'm a failure. Some of you sitting here this morning, you're having to redefine your norm. And you're tired of dealing with it. Can I tell you something this morning? You say, man, this is dark. Can I tell you something? It's okay. We need to listen. Look, I want you to listen to your pastor this morning, okay? It's okay to be human. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's okay to be human. You say, I would never talk to God this way. You're not desperate enough. You would. And thank God he lets us. Yeah. Man, who is listen, I am I am all about being real when it comes to life. And I'm gonna tell you something. You cut me, I bleed. You cut you hit me in the gut and and I go down. And David said, I'm down and I'm I'd rather just stay. I'd rather what did he say in 2 Samuel, I wish I were dead. I'm tired of taking this. I told you it was I told you it was dark. You say, Wow, what a Sunday to go to church. David said, I'm weary. I have nothing left to give. He said, I flood my bed. I make my bed swim. You know what he's saying? I feel like a fish out of water. I'm floundering. I'm flailing. I can't even catch my breath. You know what he's saying? I'm drowning in my own tears. This is not an environment that I'm used to. One of the predominant feelings of grief is I feel like a fish out of water. What environment do I fit in now? You study it. David said, I'm drowning here, man. I'm going down and I'm going down fast. And 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 there ain't no coming back up. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Some of you are there right now. You don't know if you're going to make it. Every night, he said. You see it there in the Bible? Every night. Verse 6. Every night. You know, nights are the worst. Could I get an amen right there? Darkness is the worst, y'all. You're lonely and it's quiet. And you know what's really bad about it? Everybody else is sleeping and it feels like you have nobody. You're up. You're awake. You're pacing. You're wringing your hands. David can't sleep. He said, my eyes are wasting away. I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. You know what verse number 7 is saying? David couldn't hide it if he wanted to. You know why? It's showing up on his face. You ever had anybody come up to you and say, are you okay? You look like something's bothering you. David looked three times as worse than that. He said, my eyes are growing. My eyes are just consumed. David is tired of the terrorizing torments of his enemies. Their threats. They're nagging. I put a little note in here. Verse number 7. My own personal walk with depression. Thank God, the Lord has delivered me for how many years now, babe. Delivered me. You say, what's the secret? Knowing He's with me in it, and He'll be the one to get you out of it. Now, let me say this to you, since we're being real this morning, I still have setbacks. I do. but I run as fast as I can to him. Let me let me be just a little can I be just a little bit clinical. Would y'all let me what I've learned that maybe help somebody? I'm openly communicative to my wife. I'll say, "Amy, I'm having a bad day and I need you to pray for me." before I never did that I'd go to a a room in my house shut the door because the darkness felt so comfortable to me I existed there well do you know I never go to that room again it's my grandchildren's room now can't be no darkness in there amen amen but I learned to communicate and say, Babe, I'm having a bad day. Could you please pray for me? And about lunchtime, I'll feel the, oh, okay. See, preachers are human too. Let me get, let's get to the good stuff. Amen. The determined, or the defiant. David said, I'm fed up, but I'm not going down without a fight. Notice what he said in verse number 8. Now listen, look at me before you read it ahead. Y'all a bunch of cheaters, don't read ahead. Listen to me. David stops talking to God now. And now he's talking to his situation. He stands toe-to-toe with the thing that's given him so much trouble in verses 1 through 7. Something happens between verse 7 and verse 8. Can I tell you what I think it is? David realized, God is with me in this. And then he turns and looks at those that are giving him so much trouble. And he says what in verse 8? Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Here it is. Here it is. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. God didn't even have to hear me pray. He just heard me crying. God heard me. And then what he say? And the Lord heard my plea. Then he listened to me. Then it said, the Lord accepted my prayer. I may not have said it right, but God accepted it. You know what? You do some pretty, crazy praying when you're desperate. Now the spiritually elite would say, well, you're not doing it the right way. Tell me what the right way is when your world's crashing in around you. Lord, help me. I'm going down for the last time. I'll accept that prayer. That's a great prayer. God is not into all the eloquent, decorated, hiding behind whatever screen you feel like you need to to go into the throne of grace. Just be like Peter when you're sinking. Lord, save me or I drowned. I'll accept that prayer. Some of you are like, I don't think I'm praying the right way. God's not answering my prayer. He must have answered David's because he said all my enemies are going to be ashamed. Three things. The tone changes. We got an abrupt, listen, you know what this is? This is a flipping of the coin. Now we're on the opposite side. Can I tell you something this morning? We go from being a victim to victory. We go from torment, tragedy, terrorizing to being triumphant. David said, you know what? I think I'm going to get up. I think I'm going to get out of bed. I think I'm going to get me a shower. I think I'm going to put my deodorant on and brush my teeth and comb my hair. I think I'm going to go outside and breathe in some fresh air because God is with me in my depression. He said, listen, the cause of change was uncertain. We don't know what happened. But listen, if David said, listen, if this thing hadn't changed, I don't know where I'd be today. But it changed, thank God. This is a quick shift. Whatever David prayed in verse 4, he found out real quick in verse 8. Oh, there you are. You didn't have to return. You were here the whole time. You You know, I've told God many days walking around by myself in my yard. Lord, I don't like it when you leave me to hang out sometimes. You could at least dangle that thing and let me know you got the other end of it. Instead of just letting me hang there. Maybe you're different than I am. You cannot be selfish with emotional anguish you got to look up. Depression, despair. You cannot permit this all to be turned. Oh, me, 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 me. Three things real quick. Number one, you got to be determined not to be a victim. Don't be that. Don't be that. You find that in verse 8. David's not rebuking. Listen, David is not rebuking the threats of his enemies. David don't even have the strength to even look and stand against his enemies. But here's what he's doing. He is stating that, guess what? You are no match for my God. Whatever thoughts I'm dealing with, whatever emotions I'm dealing with, anger, bitterness, resentment, regret, guilt, you are no match for God. One writer said David was looking at him and saying, you better run while you can. Listen to me. You better find out that God is bigger. You have to find some courage. It's going to take you some courage to get up And go out and live life again. Courage. Because let me tell you who's going to meet you when you walk outside your front door. Yeah. You know the worst struggle I ever had? With these stinking voices going off in my head. That seemed so real. And so believable. Until I realized. That God speaks to the heart not the head. Then I kind of figured out. Oh I know who's doing this. Yeah. I feel like my God is bigger than this. My God is way bigger than this. Number two, David said, i got to be determined to trust God when I ain't got nothing left in me. I'm going to keep trusting Him. That's in verses 8 and 9. God has been there the whole time. God has been listening the whole time, clouded by this calamity. It's been hard seeing God in this. But God, listen, don't miss this. This would be a great thing to put on your refrigerator. God does not have to be seen to be trusted. You ain't got to seem to trust Him. Amen? I know God has heard me. I know God's received me. I know God will answer me. Not only is God bigger, but God's closer. You have to find some certainty in that. God's with me in this. The third thing, you got to be determined to be free from the torment and the terrorizing emotions and thoughts that are dragging you down. Whatever David is up against, God's going to see him through. Not only, look at me, not only is God bigger, not only is God, what? What did I say? Not only is God bigger, not only is God closer, but God is greater than the voices in my head. C.S. Lewis said this, "We we can ignore even pleasure, but pain, it insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but He shouts to us in our pains. Our pain is God's megaphone to rouse up a deaf world. So here's our conclusion. that I'm done. Our way often lies through a veil of tears. There is one whom we can trust in the greatest straits and difficulties and who can dry our tears and stop our pains. And to Him let us betake ourselves, waiting upon Him in prayer. For He will answer. Amen. Can I ask you a question this morning? Look at me. You know know I love you. Amen. Shouldn't doubt that now after 18 years. How many of you are saying, Scott, I'm about to drown? I'm going down. Every day I wake up, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not, and I'm tired of this. Why would you not come to the Lord for help? You say, You don't know how I feel. Oh, yeah, I do. Trust me, I do. Why would you not give that to the Lord? Some of you in here are struggling with emotional anguish. Some of you are being tormented by voices going off in your head. And you're believing every word of the lies that are circulating through your brain. And God is wanting to deliver you from the darkness into the light. Of the certainty of what? That my God is bigger. My God is closer. And my God is greater. And I can live again. Amen. Come on church, we can live again. God will resurrect you out of the ashes. God will flip the light on so you can see once again that God is good. And you praise Him now. Praise Him now.